With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. We are kind of recording today's show because I'm away on vacation this Sunday and next Sunday. Uh, both shows were pre-recorded, but we'll be back live on December 6th. Actually, we'll be back live that Thursday for the Metal Matinee. Uh, sit back and enjoy these recorded shows. There's not going to be a lot of chit-chat going on. I'm going to play some music, get the interviews on. There'll be less than the normal two hours that we uh, normally do here. But right there, Liege Lord with Rage of Angels. We had a couple of guests from Connecticut on the show last week, and we have more coming up next week. So I was in the mood for some Connecticut metal. You know, Andy Michel was such a great vocalist, and I loved his voice on those early albums. Joe Como came in. Joe's a good friend of mine in the show, and I love Joe. And as I tell you, when I saw the band live uh, this past March at the Defenders of Old Festival, Joe still got the chops, and he does such justice to the old songs, including the ones from the album that he's on. And I'm hoping that they do get together and record a new record. It would be great to hear that. All right, we got a great show tonight. Love and War is our guest, and Madam Mayhem. Sit back, enjoy the interviews. I'll get on a couple of more tunes before we jump into them. I uh, have about some Crimson Glory. I-, I wish John Denning would get something going with this band again. Uh, I know he had Todd Tory singing uh, at- the last time the band was active. Todd's now with Queensryche. I don't know what's going on, but hopefully he'll get back to the music one day. Here's Angels of War.
All right, brand new Wasp, hero of the world. You know, I, a lot of people are putting the album down. I kind of like it. I mean, is it fuck like a beast or torment or show no mercy? No, but it's better than the last couple of records they put out. You know, Black sounds pretty good on there considering that he's getting older and his voice hasn't really been you know, up to par over the last couple of years. I think they did a pretty good job on the record. That's just my opinion. All right, we'll get on one or two more tunes. We'll go into uh, some Love and War and we'll get that interview on. How about we uh, dig really deep into the vault? How about some Boss Tweed with Jacuzzi Murders? Now, I have to tell you, it's kind of boring when you do a show and you know it's being recorded and it's not live because we're live every week. And knowing that I'm recording it, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but I feel like I'm talking to nobody because nobody is listening right now <laughs> because it's being recorded. Uh, but here you go, Boss Tweed, Jacuzzi Murders.
Okay, Mad Max, Lonely is the Hunter. Let's get on a tune from Love and War right now, and then we'll get the interview with John Adams on right afterwards. Here's Dead Men Walking. Yeah. 
Hey, John, this is Mike. How are you? Mike, I'm doing fantastic, man. What's going on? Not much, man. It's great talking with you today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, things are going great here in Houston. Uh, I don't know how it is in New York, but uh, I miss New York. I tell you, I you know, I grew up in uh, the Philadelphia area. I lived in New Jersey uh, growing up, and uh, uh, I miss, uh, miss, miss the East Coast. <laughs> ah, you're an East Coast boy. Well, things are good over here, metal-wise, rock-wise. You know, things are picking up again. Uh, you know, a lot of good. clubs, a lot of shows happening. But, I mean, you come from Texas. That's like almost the music capital of the world these days. You know, it really is. Things have been fantastic down here. Uh, there's a local promoter here that has been bringing in a lot of great bands. Like, for instance, like Love and War has been really busy over the last year. Uh, I mean, we've opened up for Michael Shanker, Sebastian Bach. Uh, we did a show with Crocus, Night Ranger, Winger, UFO. I mean, these, these bands, you know, they, they, they span the, uh, you know, the 80s metal years, and uh, they're all still busy. A lot of bands are coming back in action, you know, especially Crocus. Wow, what a, what a treat that was. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's been it's been a good couple of years down here. It sounds like, you know, I was looking, I was like, wow, these guys have really played with a lot of big bands over the last couple of years. And like I said, Crocus, they don't get here that often, so to see them and never mind get to play with them, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was very cool, and, and the guys, uh, uh, you know, were were very approachable. Uh, you know, just straight up good guys, and uh, you know, they always have been. I'd met them before in the past, and you know, actually back in the day, in the uh, early. 80s, probably, I don't know, I think it was around 83, 84, there used to be a place here uh, in Pasadena, uh, a record store, uh, Texas Tapes and Records, that used to get a lot of the bands in, and they would do uh, interviews and, and uh, do autograph signings and stuff, and, uh, you know, they were there then, and, you know, they're, they're just straight-up good guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I came into knowing Love and War through Lestat. I remember getting that demo around 89 and 90, the Breaking All the Rules tape uh, that you put out. So that's kind of what got me into you guys like, when you started Love and War afterwards. And I, I always loved that demo tape. That was some really good stuff you guys were I mean, it was you. I think uh, I think Jeff was with you in that band? Jeff is still my singer. Me and Jeff have been playing together since uh, 1982, as a matter of fact. He uh, he was working here in Houston uh from uh, El Paso, actually, and, and working, he used to uh, hang off of high rises and caulk windows. And uh, he, uh, he actually, I met him at a club here called Cardi's, and just taking a taking a whiz in the bathroom. I said, "Anybody know any good singers?" And he just happened to be there. And he came out the next day, man, and came to our studio and uh, sat in with us. And it went went over so well that he moved here from El Paso and, uh, and joined the band. And that was a band called Works. Uh, who was a very busy band all the way through around 1989. I mean, we toured professionally all over the United States, uh, you know, did the Sunset Strip, and and uh, we were real busy with that band. And it, it just didn't really work out. And uh, from the ashes of that band, we formed Lestat, which was together for about six good running years. And we changed a couple of the members. But me and Jeff have always been the core of uh, of the writing and everything. And, uh, and you know, me and him have managed to, uh, you know, still stick together and, and keep it going. That's impressive for this day and age, like for two guys to be able to work together. I mean, you're talking over 30-something years, close to 35 years. That, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we've our, our relationship has always been really strong. As, you know, we've been through a lot, especially, you know, touring together for three years. And, uh, and uh, you know, me and him write all the music, uh, write all the songs. You know, I do all the music and uh, uh, I do a lot of the lyrics as well. But he, he'll write lyrics as well with me and we coordinate on a lot of our music and uh yeah, the Lestat days were really great. I enjoy those, and I still have uh, 
have some other demo someplace. You know, you know, I'll have to I'll have to send you some stuff. Let you check it out. Oh, other than the breaking all, breaking all the rules tape. <laughs> yeah, that's the only one I have. Uh, yeah. I would love to hear more Hey, how did you get how that. did you get your hands on that? I was a big, big tape trader in the 80s, like throughout the whole 80s. And uh-huh. later on, uh, people that I used to trade with started going digital and transfer stuff. And they hadn't sent that to me. And I was like, wow, this is like really cool. And, uh, you know, but back then, like the demo trading days almost at their end at that point in time. Because, uh, you know, everybody was getting album deals around the late 80s. But I remember somebody <laughs> trading with me on a tape. And I was like, holy cow. And, you know, then as the internet came around, you got to find who people were and other bands they were in. Before that, you had no idea of knowing who anybody was. Yeah, absolutely. You know what else was really cool too? There was a there was a time uh back where I sent out a bunch of of those cassettes to uh, to the East Coast to some A&R people uh and to some radio stations as well. And uh, matter of fact, we had um a guy from a uh god, what was his name? Remember when they were filming the interview for a vampire? Um they had heard about us somehow through the grapevine and they were looking for maybe something for the soundtrack and I sent I sent the the label uh, of course, you know, they, they turned it down, but, uh, you know, we were excited, you know, at the time, hoping maybe, it would, you know, they would be able to do something with it, but they just said it really wasn't what they, what they were looking for, but, uh, you know, at least it got out there and people got to hear it, some of it, so that was exciting. Absolutely. Well, the good news is that, you know, with Love and War now, you're re-releasing your 2012 album, Up the Ante. You're doing it on your own? Um, yeah, well, actually, um, we are shopping it, and we have some interest uh, from, um a company in Greece uh, called Sleazy Rider Records, and uh, I think we're going to work something out with them. Otherwise, uh, we have a couple other people looking at us, and uh, um, you know, we're we're real happy with the record. And uh, we're actually the good thing is uh, we are writing like crazy right now. We already have the new record uh, written, and um, we have a friend of ours that actually Greg Gill from Diamond Recording that recorded that uh, up the any CD. He has moved to Missouri, and our plan is uh, to go to his new new place. Uh, and do the recording hopefully by February or March, and, and we should have a new CD out. But uh, yeah, we've been writing like crazy, and we're real excited about the new songs. They're strong, and uh, you know, real in-your-face material, and, and we're uh, we're real excited about it. Oh, that's great. Is it sort of in the vein of the the last record sound-wise, or has the band changed a little bit over the last few years? Is it like Meltdown or Hungry or Seven Ten Groove in that kind of vein? Absolutely, yeah. It's in the same same basic vein. We haven't really uh, done anything drastic trying to change our sound or our style. Just pretty much sticking sticking to our guns and our writing process. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, again, there's you know we have a couple of really heavy ones, and then we have some some melodic ones. And it's basically going to be going to be another up the ante, but with just uh, all different original tunes. Oh, that's great, man. You know, so many bands, they feel like they can't repeat themselves, like, from album to album or, or saying the vein that they were known for, and they want to, like, kind of go off on a tangent. And it turns off a lot of old fans because, you know, they became fans of that band because of that sound and style. But I guess as a musician, a lot of things influence you over the years, and you kind of want to incorporate that into, like, how you write also. So is it kind of like a fine line you have to draw of how far you stray from the band's core sound? Well, yeah, for me, okay, I, you know, I've never been one to follow trends. You know, and there's been a lot of bands that have been guilty of that over, over, you know, especially like whenever, say, the grunge area started and everybody felt like, well, you know, this is what's trending. We got to change our sound. I personally, you know, would never do that. I mean, I I would stick to my guns. There's a lot of a lot of musicians that would agree with that. We stick to our guns, man. This is who we are. This is who I'm going to be. And I'm not going to I'm not going to change who I am, you know, and I hate to say this. For the Almighty Buck, <laughs> because we all want the Almighty Buck, but I'm not going to sell out. 
Yeah. Well, I'm glad that's the case. I mean, I can name a hundred bands that I did, especially in the 80s. I mean, you can go to Ozzy and Judas Priest, two of the bigger ones, who, when hair metal became big, they started glamming it out, and, and it didn't work out, and it kind of went back to their core sound afterwards. But other bands have tried that over the years, too. They went to grunge, to new metal, uh, to mathematical, technical, death metal. There's so many genres, I can't even name them all, but they've always strayed so far to, to stay relevant, and I think it's kind of hurt them more in the end. Because they've, maybe they've gained some new fans, but they lost that core base. They really did. And, you know, and after you've seen a band, uh, you know, and I don't want to be as harsh as saying sell out, because I know, you know, when that's all you do and that's all you have, you know, you have to make a living. All of us got to make a living. And, you know, whenever you're a, a musician and 100% of your income is coming from your playing, then, you know, you do have to sometimes change things. It's not really that you're selling out, you know, but it, it's just that, you know, you're trying to make a living. You got to do what you got to do. And, uh, you know, you will lose fans when, you know, hey, one of your hardcore bands changes. You know, it is an easy turnoff, even though they, do, they go back later on and, and go back to their sound and what, the, you know, what made them who they were. You know, again, a lot, of, a lot of bands are disillusioned because of that. But, you know, for us, you know, things are a lot different nowadays, you know. And, you know, that's really not the way things are. Things are completely different. You know, the whole, the whole label thing. Uh, the way music is presented now and the way you buy it and everything, everything is completely different. And, uh, you know, for us, you know, now that we're older, you know, when we were a lot younger back in the 80s and, you know, we, you know, we were, man, you know, just nose to the grindstone, uh, you know, things have changed. So, but the music for us will never change. That's good. I mean, you had like we're talking about changes. You've seen, you know, you've seen it coming since the the seventies and eighties to the last two decades. How the whole music industry is just—it's nothing like it was when you first started out in the business. But as a band, is it better for the bands today? Uh, the way things are, maybe you have more control over everything, or is that missing money that you used to get from the record labels, if you were even able to get it? You know, uh, such a big thing that you could—you can't go without it. Well, you know what? There's a fine line there, you know, and, and a lot of, you know, for me, I think the way that you have more control over your music now, uh, I mean, a lot of bands don't necessarily have to have a major record deal. You know, you can put your stuff out there on iTunes and or, or other venues or, you know, CD Baby, whatever, sell your stuff yourself, you can do that. But then again, when it comes to making a new record, that advance from the record company, that big advance that you need to go into a great recording studio and do your stuff. But, you know, so many people now, you know, you don't necessarily have to have the great big, you know, production because, you know, with the, with the technology now, you can do a lot of stuff. You can do stuff on your computer. You know, you can actually email files and stuff, and and uh, everything can be done, you know, a lot differently. Um, so anyway, it's, it's, it's kind, of, kind of a catch-22, you know. I mean, it could go well either way. Uh, the, big, the big record deals are fantastic. You know, wow, you know, but, you know, those those days are long gone unless you're, like, really something major powerful and uh, you got a brand new sound or something. But for bands like us, you know, this genre of music that we're playing is, you know, it's it's been done. You know, we're trying to just make it fresh, reinvent it a little bit if we have to. But you can tell by listening to our music that, you know, where we came from. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. And the fact that you guys get to play out so often, there were so many big bands that really draw a lot of attention. Is, is that like the main focus now for a band, getting out there live and, and winning over your fans through the live shows and not so much through the albums? Because like I said, people don't buy them today. They download them. They don't put their time into it. So is is it for a band live the way to go today? Well, it, it seems to me that that's the way to get your name out. Like for us, you know, we're a regional band and, uh, 
you know, that well, the, one of the reasons why we're re-releasing up the ante is because we want distribution. We want to we want to put it out worldwide. We want other people to know and who we are, and that's why it's taken us. A little while, you know, because we haven't really got that push since 2012 when we re- when we, we first put it out. It's now we're ready to to, to push it, get it out there more. Uh, as far as playing with bigger bands, it's just a a venue. As far as winning over fans, letting them see your music or hear your music rather, and and giving them the opportunity, you know, to buy it. You know, we sell everything there at, at the shows, and you know, it gives them an opportunity to see who you are and and what you're playing and and. Uh, Hopefully, get them out there to buy your, your your stuff. Sure. Do you find that fans are, are receptive when they go to a show for the first time and they're seeing bands they don't know, where they're willing to listen to the music and give it a shot? Because I, mean, I can go back to the '80s when you went to a club and you know you know you only knew the headlining band most of the time. That's who you were going for. But you watched every band that was on the bill underneath them, and you know nine out of ten times you became fans of that that band by their music. You gave you gave it a chance. Do you find that? It's still like that today, or do people have such short attention spans that they just you really got to like bang it out the first time and get through them, otherwise you lose them? Well, no, I think that Love and War is living proof of that because um, I mean we'll play places uh, like San Antonio, for instance, which is the mecca of metal down here, and uh, you know we'll go out there and play. And nobody knows who we are, but because we do play, and, and most of our strength is in our live shows. Uh, we win people over automatically, and I think I think that right there is the test of the band when you get out and play in front of crowds that don't necessarily know who you are. Is live is the way to capture them, win them over, and and you know that's what that's why so many bands over the years, and you know as well, Mike, is that they you got to tour, tour, tour. You got to win yeah. your fans over. You got to get it out there because you know if you just put the record out there by itself, then you're you're at the mercy of who's promoting it. You know, are they really going to be able to put the CD or whatever in the hands of the people you want them to listen to? And the, most of the time, a lot of those people will go out to live venues, and then, you know, if, if they've never heard of you or heard of your CD, that's the time that you got to grab them and reel them in. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys definitely have the tunes. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's all right there for you. I said, it's just a matter of branching out. And you were saying that you're, you know, you talk to some label in Greece. And it seems to me that Greece has become like one of the major hubs for like metal today and hard rock. I mean, they live it and breathe it over there. And they're like, you know, they're like taking everything that we have and they're going with it. Was that important that you looked for that kind of label? Well, actually, yeah, we want a label that that is interested in, 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 and is hungry for this this type of music. And uh, they they were just like one of the first labels that uh, and through our promotional our promotional guy uh, Benjamin from uh, Lord of PR, who uh, actually put the stuff out there. And, and uh, thanks Benjamin for that anyway. And uh, he's he's created the interest for us, and uh, he he is stepping in and helping our band out a lot. And uh, you know, from I have noticed, you know, a lot of countries like South America. You know, other European countries are, you know, there a lot of them that haven't really been in in the whole limelight as far as when the whole metal issue was going on. They're they're like backpedaling now and getting caught up. And a lot of the bands that were huge back in the eighties, the metal bands, I mean, they're huge now. I mean, look at look at South America. I bring that up because there's so many metal bands that are reinventing themselves with a lot of these countries because those younger kids are hungry. Here in America, most of the people that are are that are listening to the type of music that we're talking about, okay, they're they're older now. For us to grab that younger generation and to get those fans out, like we used to go out whenever we were younger, is really tough. 
you know, because a lot of the younger people, you know, are listening to different types of music. Now, there are a lot of younger people who are getting into the 80s metal again, and God bless them, you know, and, I, and we need to keep uh, keep pumping it out there and, and try to reel those those younger people in. Um, but but the majority of, like the, like, the crowds that are coming out to, like, see some of the shows, like Crocus, for instance, man, I look out there, and, and they're all guys our age, and they're, and they're, you know, I mean, I don't see a lot of young faces at any of these, or UFO or whatever. I don't see a lot of young faces out there, and that's a shame because, you know, the older people get, you know, we are still trying to support the music that we love, but, you know, we need to get that in the hands of the younger people and try and get a whole other generation of people interested in our music. Absolutely. I mean, I, I do see a lot more younger kids today into our music than, like, say, like yeah. when we were kids, you know, with our parents' music. So I'm like, all right, that's a good step. Like I said, it's just a matter of branching it out and getting them more involved in it. And, you know, it's a, it's a different generation where we only had to go out. We didn't have computers and, and cell phones and technology to keep us, you know, in the house and entertained. We had to go out to find our entertainment. So it's like a whole different generational thing also. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, a lot of the kids that are getting back into it nowadays, you know, it's because, uh, they're, you know, they're listening from their parents. Like my son, for instance, uh, who was an amazing bass player, I turned him on to Steve Harris and, you know, with the Iron Maiden when he was uh. probably, I don't know, 9 or 10, 11, something like that. And, man, he, I mean, he's never looked back. He picked up a bass and... Uh, I mean, he's he's amazing now. His band is uh, is just smoking hot. Now they're 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 more of a modern kind of progressive uh, metal, which is great. I mean, it's still taking what you know what we grew up with, and you know they're they're expanding upon it. But uh, you know, I mean, God bless them. I mean, that's what we need to do. Is we need more younger younger kids to get involved and uh, and and support that type of music. Oh, absolutely. And John, what are the chances of you guys being able to get out and you know hit different parts of the country, maybe even go overseas, uh, maybe do some of the festivals? Is that something that works in, in the upcoming future? Yes, that's what we, that's what our plan is. Now that we're re-releasing uh, Up the Annie, then uh, we want that is going to give us the opportunity. We want to get the music out there first and then, and let people hear it, and then hopefully we can get some promoters. Uh, um, you know, interested in and in, in then saying, "Hey, you know, your your music is trending over here. I think we can get some people to come out and see you. Let's do it." And uh, yeah, we that's one thing we are looking forward to in 2016 after recording the new record is to get out there. Hopefully, we have some of the stuff from Up the Any trending, and then you know, go out there and hit them with the new music as well as as, as some of the stuff off the Up the Any and, uh, and and you know, and promote the new record. Oh, uh, man, John, I tell you, I can't wait to hear the new record. And when it comes out, come back on the show, man. We'll do this live. We'll, we'll have a good time. And would, do you Absolutely. have anything coming up in the immediate future right now for the rest of this year? Or are you guys kind of going to just work on what you have? Uh, we actually just we have a headlining show here in Houston uh, at the Concert Pub North uh, December the 4th. Uh, besides that, um, we've got a few things we're working on. Like we've been confirmed with UFO in March of next year um, here in Houston. Um, we're, we're planning a regional thing through Dallas, uh, Austin, San Antonio, the beginning of next year, um, with some other bands from, uh, uh, Benjamin of Lord of, P of PR, uh, his projects. And, and, uh, that's pretty much it. So, so far. Uh, that's, a, that's enough. You, <laughs> you're busy. I can't yeah. wait for a new record. So John, thank you very you much. It, I appreciate you being on here today and the best of luck with the new record. You got it. Thanks, Mike. I'll be in touch. You got it. Take care. All right, brother.
conversion risk with Break Free. I tried to get Call Sentence on the show last year. He kept telling me he'll do it when the album comes out. He's waiting for the record to come out. You know what? The record came out. Who am I? And he didn't do any promotion or any press for it, and nobody even knew the record came out. You know, I don't. I really don't understand some bands. It boggles my mind. I mean, they think just like the name of the band alone, and that the putting out a record is going to be enough to sell the album. I mean, this isn't the '80s. Nobody's going to sell hundreds of thousands of records anymore. But you at least want to sell what you, you know, what you printed. And they didn't do any press for this at all. The album came and went without any recognition whatsoever. I don't get it. Maybe Metallica or Slayer or Megadeth can get away with that, but not some of the other bands. You got to go out there and promote and do these dumb radio shows on the internet or anywhere else that you have to to get the name of the band and the record out there so you can sell copies of it. You know, especially when you're doing an independent release and you're using your own money for it. You want to at least recoup what you put into it. It didn't happen. Well, Carl is also singing for Nazareth these days, so uh, I'm sure he's going to have a lot more luck with Nazareth. All right, we're going to keep the music flowing here. we got one more interview to go with Madam Mayhem, a fellow New York City resident. We'll get her on in a little bit with some of her music. Right now, how about Mortal Sin for Richer or Poorer?
All right, Damage. It's been a while since I've played them. I had them on the show. Uh, Clashes of Steel, great band. All right, let's get this interview with Madam Mayhem on. We'll play a song by her. Maybe we'll have enough time to do one or two more. And then we're going to wrap it up here. And uh, hey, you know what? We'll be back live in another week. So uh, hold the faith, brothers. Here you go, Madam Mayhem. Madam, how are you? This is Mike. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you today? Good, thank you. Uh, it's nice to have you on here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Hey, anytime. Hey, nice job on the new record, I have to say. Oh, I'm glad you like it. Uh, you did a great job on it. Thank you. Thank you. We worked really hard on it, and I'm really proud of it. So I'm glad people are starting to, to dig it. Well, how many years in the making is this album? Because, I mean, I read a couple of things. I heard that, you know, you started working on it out in L.A., and I guess you kind of brought it back to New York. So this has been going on, I guess, for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, I was always writing with Billy um, since I've met him. Uh, we've been working together just writing songs, and he's been a mentor of mine for years. And um, uh, about a year ago, he's like, why don't we just, you know, make it, make a record out of it? And, and so we did. Uh, we, we finished up some of the songs and, and kind of put it together. So uh, it's finally out, and I'm really excited. <laughs> Yeah, I love it because you're kind of taking things to like another level. And like, it seems to me like over the years, you know, rock and metal in general has become so sanitized and people have been afraid to like shock people again. Not that you're a Mm -hmm. shock artist, but you know, when you look at it, it's very visual and it's the stuff that like your parents didn't want you to get involved in when you were a kid. And it seems like that's what rock and roll is supposed to be all about. Exactly, exactly. And I'm glad that you brought that back. But it's like, not, like you, like you know, you are the band technically, and everything kind of falls on you. Is that a lot harder than being in a band where you have like four or five equal members that are all contributing? I mean, kind of the buck stops with you when it comes to everything. I mean, I, I, I don't know what it is like as you know, as the full band situation. But yeah, I mean, I definitely bring a lot on to myself in terms of responsibility uh, this way. But at the same time, you know, it's it, you know it's all me and and it's and it's legit madam mayhem uh when anything comes out because of that so so it's a bit of a mixed situation definitely is it is it difficult finding the right people to play with that are going to have like the same vision or goal or kind of go with your lead well that was really something that uh i focused on for a while making sure that uh, whatever i wrote we both Billy and i wrote and what Corey and i wrote was able to come to life um, with specific musicians on the record, and then having those that same vibe and and really the same portrayal on stage um, on the road, and and lucky enough, I was able to find musicians. Uh, there are incredible musicians on the record that I'm sure everyone has heard, knows, and loves. And then there's amazing musicians with me on stage that really bring what those songs are to life in their own way. That still, you know, sound just like the record and 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 you definitely working with people that get it is very important um in a band setting. So I'm thrilled I actually found people like that. Do you think in the future like this would be like the concept for like future albums where you'd want to just bring in different people all the time to work on it to give each album a different vibe? Well I, I love doing that. Uh working on music and and collaborating is, is my favorite thing and you know the more people you can work with that you vibe off of, the the cooler the experience is. Of course, I would love to work with with people over and over again, and it always also depends on timing and situations, you know, how they come to be. And uh, but it's always fun to to work with new people, and, and if it's someone you can you know mesh really well with, then then it's always good. 
Yeah. Well, I remember when I heard Billy Sheenan was working with you on the album. The first thing I remember going back to 1983, seeing Billy Sheenan live with his band Palace. And I was mm-hmm. looking at him on stage. I was like, that, that can't be a bass guitarist playing. I never heard a bass guitar played like that before. It's a little intimidating when you get into the studio with somebody like Billy Sheenan and he just starts wailing out in the bass. Oh, oh yeah. And and it's it's pretty unreal to when I still think about it, you know, working with him and, and making it a team effort, he, he made me very comfortable when we were writing and recording. And, and because um, I've known him for a few years now, um, I did feel very comfortable and I appreciated that, that he really let me, you know, express myself and how I wanted stuff done. But I, seeing him, even when he's just practicing or warming up or he has a bass in his hand, it's, you, you remember like, wow, this is a bass legend like yeah you know, like you know and, and and he's so humble about it which is great and he's so such an incredible musician so uh it's just a lot of fun i'm I'm never bored when i'm working with these people that's for sure I'm oh that's watching. good yeah <laughs> well you know you have a lot going on like i said musically visually i mean you have you have the whole package it's right there for you but is it difficult today to really get out there and get started and to get the name known to people i mean the social media makes it a little easier but there's also so much going on that you kind of have to you know filter your way through it to even get the name of the band out there oh yeah definitely i mean a lot of people are just hearing about me now and i've been around for a while so it's 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 cool that now, you know, people are, are, are responding to this new record and I'm so thrilled about it and that people are hearing it and people are relating to the music, but it's definitely hard, especially when you're more of an independent artist, you know, trying to get out there because you do have all these great networks, but there are so many talented people and there's also so much just stuff out there. It is how do you, you know, differentiate yourself and let people know that because even if you are completely different or something unique you know people have to find that so i'm still working my way through figuring out you know the the best strategy but i'm just enjoying the ride as it goes yeah well i mean you, you've seen what's going on with the record industry over the years i mean mp3s have taken a lot away from it labels aren't the same the money's not there like it used to be uh it's almost like you know if you go to like a sports team they all have these farm systems where they nurture their players they bring them up you know to the majors that seems to have all but vanished, like in the music industry, where there's no more A&R departments, like nurturing those artists, bringing them up, and, and getting them to the next level. It's almost like the record industry has like abandoned their artists, where they just want you to bring them what you have, and they'll like throw a dart at the wall, see if it sticks. Well, I feel like um, from from my standpoint, from when I got into it, I feel like the the structure that was there, I never got to see it, unfortunately. So for me, this is the norm, but definitely, it definitely helps when you already have somewhat, you know, of, of an establishment of who you are, what you want to do and how you want to portray yourself. Cause if you're, if you have no idea, then it's going to be hard for anyone else to identify that. And, and yeah, it's hard. Even if you have everything together, just to get someone either fan wise or in the industry to, you know, take you on and take that risk and help you, you know, get to that point. Um, so just, just by, you know, not, you know, I'm, I've been relentless. Um, this is what I eat, sleep and breathe. So I, I'm lucky I, I'm finding people that, you know, believe in, in the same things I do musically and, and creative and creatively. And, and so it's been working out, but I think it's still a struggle where no one really knows what the actual new structure is. I, I don't think there is an answer. If you ask anyone, whether it's, you know, a label or an artist, I think everyone's just figuring out new paths and new ways to, to get through. Yeah. 
you know, uh, there seems to be so much going on in your music. Do you have to get to a certain frame of mind or like the environment you're in? Does that influence how you write? Because I know earlier you said you spent some time in L.A. with the album, then you were back in New York. I mean, is it like night and day from Los Angeles to New York? Well, for me, I, I, I'm from New York, so this is my home. I'm very comfortable here. But when I'm in L.A., I'm there to work. So it's definitely, you know, I'm there. I know I'm, I need to get this stuff done. And, and really, like, the ideas of songwriting and lyrically, it really depends on, you know, are you ready for it or you're not. There are times where I'm driving in my car and I think of a lyric and it, like, drives me nuts. I have to, like, pull over, write it down on my phone or, you know, there's things like that. And then there's times where you know you're there to work. So what was really cool about this record was there were times where it was structured out. Okay, we're in the studio. We are writing these songs. This is what's happening. And then there are times where it just kind of came to be and it popped out of nowhere. So each song was written in a different way and recorded slightly different so it was it was a lot of fun to you know to make the entire package yeah well you say like you know when you go to LA you're going there to work when you have that in your head is it difficult to sit there okay I have to write music now I have to get this out there because it's so visual that you know like I said it just comes to you when it comes to your music but when you have to write is that more difficult and is it more straining to try to put a song together when you have to do it well I think because there's always ideas popping into my head and, and musical ideas that I want to work with. I think that as a songwriter, you always have an idea. You are you always have something you want to say. And for me, I already knew certain topics and stories from my life that I wanted to tell. And I already had some themes musically as well that I wanted to um, get out there. And then especially when you are a co-writer, which I love, you know, you can bounce your ideas off of the other person and you know then you then you really get something that's there so definitely when i'm getting in the like landing in the airport i'm thinking okay i got to get this done but once you really a a leisurely thing where you can just you know tell your truth and and be as open and real and silly as you need to be to get it done well, you talk about being open. When you are writing music and you're coll- collaborating with somebody else and they kind of change things around and make a suggestion of how something's to sound, and is it difficult to kind of give up that little bit of control to go with that way that they want to do it? Or do you look back and then say, you know what, that really worked out better than I thought? Or, you know, you're just against it sometimes because you have it in your head that it should be one way this song? Well, yeah, it always ends up like that. Uh, but I'm fortunate enough to to with people that have been doing this for a while. So, you know, to, like I'm learning every time I write with, with Billy or with Corey Lowry and just sitting in there and, and learning. So let's say I have a crazy idea and, you know, they'll, they they were very nurturing and letting me express it. And then if it was something so out of whack, they would voice their opinion. And if I was really, you know, hell-bent on doing it, you know, it just depends. And, and the more you collaborate, the more you... Uh, realize that it, if you're if you're writing with the right person, you know it has to be a right fit too. And and I was lucky enough to to write with people where I have no problem spilling my guts or saying no, I really want to try it this way, and they have no problem telling me the same. So it ended up working out. But there's definitely yeah. that loss of control that I now accepted for sure. <laughs> yeah, that has to be the hardest part of it is, is giving up a little bit of control to make it happen and make it work. Yeah, but it, it's always worth it in the end. That's what I've experienced. <laughs> well, that's always good. Well, what do you yeah. have? I know, I, I know you have a show coming up, Webster Hall next week. Uh, anything for the rest of the year lined up besides the record release, or are you gonna, you're holding off till next year to go back out on tour? Because you just did a whole well, bunch of shows this year. 
Yeah, yeah. What we're going to do is we're going we're trying right now to put a bunch of things together. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to announce those shortly, and I'll be able to get on the road and play because that's all I really want to do is just live in the van or the bus and just get on stage. Because that's since I was really little, that was that was my happy place. I feel so comfortable on stage. So um, the faster I can get there, the better it can be for everyone in my life. Because I'm not performing, I am a nightmare. So, oh, yeah, but we're definitely we're we're in the process of uh, firming up some things, and as soon as everything comes together, uh, we will make those announcements. But until then, yeah, next week Webster Hall will be fun. I can't. I'm going to be there next week at Webster Hall. I can't wait to see you live. Oh, great! Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, where's the best place for everybody to keep up with what you're doing and to pick up the new record and keep in contact with you? Well, definitely check out the website, which is madammayhem.com, and that's madam with an E at the end. Um, also, I do all my own social media, so if you go to facebook.com uh, backslash madammayhem or Mayhem Official on Twitter um, or Madam Mayhem on Instagram. Also, the new music video is out for Monster. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, that is on the official YouTube page, which is Madam Mayhem Official, and everything is kind of just, me the whole time so reach out say hi and you can get all the shows and updates like that on the official website uh that's great madam it was great talk with you today you did a great job in that video man it, it looked like there's a million books behind it it came out fantastic oh thanks i'm glad i'm glad i, lo- I loved shooting it and i'm glad people love watching it <laughs> uh really good job and i'm looking forward to seeing you next week at the show i can't wait yes see you then take care bye-bye thanks bye
Okay, Beast with the shape of the Megaforce compilation record from back in the day. Right, you know what? We're going to wrap it up. One more tune. We're going to close it out. Thank you for listening. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving weekend. I keep forgetting to mention it because these shows were pre-recorded before the holiday. Uh, but I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And we will be back live in another week. So, you know, come back and join us. Back to the chat room. All right. I'm just looking for a song to play right now to close it out. How about some Titan Steel? Devil Takes Me. Take care, everybody. I'll see you next week. Oh!
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.